this is Mike Ross, public address announcer for your Toronto Maple Leafs, and this is the Leafs Late Night Podcast, your post-game destination. And now, your starting lineup, Roscoe, the Fanalist, Southey, Beaner, and Darty Brodeur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back to Leafs Late Night, presented by Inside the Rink, where it's never too late for the Leafs. Roscoe, Fanalist, and Beaner hosting tonight. Remember to leave us a rating on Spotify or on YouTube. Subscribe, follow, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is you're listening or watching on. Leave us some uh, leave us some love. It's much appreciated, and uh, it goes longer way than you think. So welcome back. Uh, another Leafs loss. You know, it seems like uh, there was no streaking allowed in D.C. Because that was... <laughs> The end of a couple streaks tonight, we had, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Buntings coming to an end. Yeah, Buntings, 10-game point streak comes to an end. Sammy's shutout streak comes to an end. Though, he sets the longest shutout record for the Leafs since 1976-1977 season, which is one of those bittersweet things to hear because it's like, oh, he set a record. I'm sorry, we haven't had a goalie get longer than a two-game shutout since... 1976? Ow. <laughs> Just goes to reinforce the fact that goalies are voodoo, right? Goalies are voodoo, but also kind of reinforce the fact that the Leafs haven't had that many stars. In, and that extends to net, right? Like, there's been some standouts, obviously, over the years. But, um, you know, we don't have the same record that some teams have, especially for the length of time the Leafs have been around. Anyway, it's just one of those... Uh, Cool, but a little painful stats. It's nice, though, because when the Leafs go on a two-game losing streak, we all know how quickly Leafs Nation can change. And now Twitter is very angry. It's the second game in a row where the Leafs don't come back. And, you know, we have to emphasize the good, right, and the streaks that this team has had. So, Guys, it's okay. I know we lost, but we have to take the positives out of tonight because this team is on record for, you know, going above and beyond what they did last year. Yeah, and yeah, I've seen a lot of disappointment on Twitter, but it seems like kind of short-sighted, like, Ugh, that was a rough game. But I think overall they've built up enough of a track record for the last two months that people aren't on the fire everyone, sell everyone mode anymore. Uh, at least not yet. If they lose, you know, five more games like this in a row, then we're probably right back there. But for now, I think they've still they've still got enough of um, uh, they're in, in the good books, we'll say. But even with that not being their strongest game, like they were still in this. They still had a decent chance, even playing for the most part, pretty pedestrian. They still had a chance to come back and, and get this. If it wasn't for a couple of outrageous saves by Lindgren, it could have been a tie game. And then yeah, and I mean, they have score effect them, so. and everything, right? So it, it, it could have been completely different. I'm not making excuses. They still played pretty bad, especially compared to how we've been watching them play lately. Everything has to average out at some point. They weren't going to stay on that heater for the rest of the season. They're no. not going to win, you know, how many have they lost already? but they're not going to win out the, the remainder of the season. There's no way in hell that's going to happen. So you're going to have a stinker, and it's a little bit reassuring that even though it was a stinker of a game, they still had a chance to come back in it. 
Yeah, and it's one thing worth noting if we're looking for positives is, again, when the team seems like everybody's off, William Nylander still has a great game. Like, he's somebody that, like we've said multiple times, is just unfazed by the rest of the team underperforming or being off, uh, you know, the communications off, whatever it is. He just plays his own game and, and seems to find um, opportunities for himself. So I've got to give a little shout out to Willie for that. Yeah. Uh, we obviously wanted the outcome for Samsonov. You know, his first time returning to the Capital One arena since being a Capital himself. So, yeah. you know, it's okay. And the Leafs, last time they faced uh, the Caps, that was their first one of the season, all the way back October 13th. And I think we faced Lindgren again then. But 9.44 tonight for Charlie there. And they were saying tonight on the broadcast, like he was kind of a diamond in the rough, kind of like a bunting for us in a way where they kind of, they landed in their laps. And he was he ended up being really good, uh, having an awesome season last year, only playing what, five or six games total. And this year he's been on fire for them. Can you imagine getting rid of both Ilya Samsonov and uh who was the other one they had? Vitek Vanacek and still yeah. <laughs> winding up with some diamond in the rough goalie. Like, how does everyone have better luck than us with goalies? This is so frustrating. It's voodoo, hey, man. Oh, they, they are. But, like, there's um his name's escaping me. It's like Woodley or, or Woodson or something. Boomer Gordon on SiriusXM always has someone on anytime he wants to talk about goalies because he completely admits it that he knows nothing about goaltending. And if he would try to talk about it, he's just going to steer people wrong. Um, <laughs> and surprisingly enough, Lindgren was one of his sleeper picks in the off season for, oh, nice. you know, you know, kind of keep an eye on him. I personally saw him a handful of times play for the Hamilton Bulldogs back when he was still part of the Habs farm system, when the Bulldogs were an AHL team. And mm-hmm. he, he, he looked good. He had, glimpses but i i don't know like it, it's still a short run i'm not saying he's going to go out here and win the vesna and, and be in the candidacy for that for the next four years but it's yeah. it's pretty impressive and kind of out of left field what he's done and then furthermore on, on not getting the result for sammy coming back to washington i get it we didn't get the result for him we didn't play that great in front of him he's got to have a couple of those saves yeah, those first two were rough, man. The first one basically coming from on the goal line and then the rebound. He just he's gotta have his foot against the post there. That's it. Like it yep. just managed to squeak in in that little hole that he left open. And then that second one from Trevor Van Reems, like, oh, I don't I mean, I know it clipped off Geo, but that was it was it wasn't like it was right in front of him. He had enough time, but he just overcommitted, it seemed, and uh, and couldn't readjust. So when when you let it in across like a top your short side like that, it's often referred to as the, you know, your, your AHL side was showing. <laughs> so yet again, he's played great for us all season. I'm not going to sit here and knock him and say he's trash. Cause there's been a lot of games where he has kept the team in it. Um, oh yeah, for sure. But I mentioned earlier averages, right? Everything's going to average out a little bit. He's going to have a stinker game here and there. Unfortunately for him, it was against his former team. Yeah. And just over to the Caps for a sec on Lindgren while we are still on that. Um, I just checked because uh, I couldn't remember what contract they signed Kemper to, but the Capitals gave Kemper a five-year, 5.25 contract to Darcy Kemper. So I hate to say it, but are we going to see them ditch Lindgren like they did with Sammy and Vanajak? 
just because, you know, they kind of have committed to somebody and this is somebody that's going to be worth something if uh, he's proving it here this year. Depends how well he plays, I guess. <laughs> Could be like a Campbell, right? Where he goes to the all-star game and then comes back and shits the bed. I don't know. I think so. Kemper is more like their Campbell. They're kind of stuck with him, right? Like they signed, they got four more years of him. But like we, we've talked about it before as well. When you're moving from a team to a new team, sometimes it can, it can mess with you, especially with goalies. Um, even something as silly and as simple that a lot of people wouldn't think of. You're used to, it's not that big of a deal going from Colorado to Washington, but you're used to looking through maroon and blue gear. Well, now all of a sudden you're looking through red gear. So your whole basis of what a puck looks like when you're trying to track it through your team is different. That's a really good point that I have never so thought of. It, it, it's it's so silly and you would never think of it, but it, it's it's kind of true. Like look at Markstrom, his first season coming Which, over to Calgary, yeah. right? His first season in Calgary, everyone's kind of like, what the hell just happened? You go from the blue and green of the Canucks to the red of the Flames shouldn't matter professional athletes but it it's goalies are voodoo that should be be the title of this episode like it's and it's it, it makes a massive difference even though it shouldn't and people were talking about that during the bubble year of oh you know how is this going to affect the goalies where you're not having fans in the stands you're just having tarps right because the littlest thing around you when you're trying to focus on something that's different from the norm can make just a massive difference that totally reminds me of Peter Mazarek uh, when he first came to the Leafs and he still had half of his red goalie equipment. Oh, yeah. Um, he was talking about David how. Riddick. Or, oh, it was David Rid being, yeah, yes, sorry. because it was midseason and it was instant from red to blue. You're absolutely right. And I've been sitting here just thinking, like, who was it? Who was it? wasn't Mazarek. What am I saying? Yes, Peter Mazarek. Oh. Oh, I know. Every time I think of Peter Mrazek, I, uh, I have the commissioner in my head. Literally. I don't know, guys. Sorry. He who shall that, not be but. named. Oh, yes. <laughs> David Riddick. That's exactly what happened. Wow. But didn't he play well that game? Do you remember the result? Um, I don't remember the result, but I do remember thinking he didn't play half bad. Um. Big save, Dave. Yeah, big uh, save, Dave. Yes, big save, Dave. I think since I've been in high school, but <laughs> well, uh. he's still kicking. <laughs> yeah. But so the, today, um, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say the first two. Um, yeah, Sammy's got to have those. The third one, though, that was a really good passing play. And I uh, got to point out, Sonny Milano had an assist on all three of the first goals for the Caps, and that's nice. somebody that. You know, we talked about in the offseason, he was looking for somewhere to go. And we kept saying, why don't the Leafs throw something at him? I mean, he's he's basically looking for anywhere at this point because he was just late to the party. You know, I'm sure he was waiting for a, a number that never came and uh, was then on PTOs. So, like, I, I think he, he signed a PTO with the Flames and then ended up with Cal, uh, Anna, uh, in Washington. Jeez. Yeah, he joined them late. Uh, I was just trying to remember that timeline and... 
Yeah, I was thinking too, why not Sonny Milano? He's uh, growing into a power forward. He's had his little exposure last season with Seagrass, but clearly he's working out for the Caps. And tonight the game was really back and forth. Uh, the first five minutes, only one shot on goal for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but then three goals in three minutes and 22 seconds. Everyone just popped right off. We're like, I'm what kidding. is happening? Yeah, Nylander with the uh, the down on one leg slapper. Oh, that was so nice. Yeah, that was absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it's something you don't usually see from him, but uh, I'm glad. Like him and Marner have both found that. It, it's, I mean, I don't want to say that they're like learning from Matthews, but like it's rubbing off on them. I mean, you see, well, monkey see, monkey do, right? Like, well, you you see it with. I'm not trying to say Nylander's at the same level as. Matthews or Marner or Crosby or anything like that. But you see it with the, you know, not the star players, the high, high end star, the all star, the superstar players. Crosby, McDavid, Malkin. We've seen it with Matthews already. What got you to the league, what got you drafted, what made you that that massive star isn't the only thing you can do. And you're not going to stay that level of a star if you think that that's going to keep you there. Right? Crosby earlier in his career, he was horrible on face-offs. Spent an entire summer, the next two, three seasons, and ever since, he's been one of the best face-off men in the league. Same thing. He was ever. also pushed around a lot his first two seasons, right? Yep. When, when he, when they, first couple years after the lockout, I despised Crosby. Oh, same. Every single shift, he was whining and complaining to the refs. I always said Crosby didn't play like a Canadian, and Ovechkin did. And I kind of <laughs> liked Ovechkin a little better for that. Um Southey would have some fighting words for you right now. <laughs> to Crosby's credit, he he stepped it up. Instead of whining for a call after every single shift, he kept his mouth shut, and he he bettered what other players were using to their advantage. Became a better face-off man. Oh, you know, not scoring that much? Well, next year I'm going to go out and score 50 and win the Rocket. Like They have this ability to, because they're such great athletes, to just say, nope. I'm doing something different. I'm going to add another weapon to my tool belt. And they do that. Look at Matthews working on his 200-foot game. Look at Marner working on his shot. And now you have Nylander where he's McDavid's not just a dangle. Scoring. Yeah, McDavid, McDavid's on pace for, what, 71 goals or something crazy like that? Stupid. Like, it's it these high – not that other players don't, but you have, uh, like, a David Camp. All, all respect to Camp. I love him. If he goes out in the offseason and says, you know what, I'm going to work on my shot and be a scorer, he's going to go from 10 to 20, 25 goals. If Marner goes yep. out in the summer and says, I want to be a scorer, he's going to go from, you know, 25 to 46. Like it's it, it, the difference there is, is massive because of the just the sheer skill. Right. If any of that made sense at all. But to bring it back to Nylander, I mean, he's on pace for 47 goals, or I think now. And uh, it's something that I think is is starting to show with him where he he decided he's going to work on scoring and also not letting the because, okay, I want to phrase this properly. The team has been criticized for being emotional. And I say this a lot, but Nylander has worked on just not letting that get to him and kind of drowning out the noise and playing his game. And it, it shows a lot that he's able to just turn that on. You gotta, like, we, we almost got to preface that with 
not all emotions bad because if you listen to some of the media, they're not emotional enough. The and I don't want to single them out, but after the playoff series when Marner was basically crying on the bench, that's the type of emotions people they they did they're complaining about, right? getting fed up with calls and, and that type of thing. Whereas you look at Matthews, when you say Matthews gets emotional, he's throwing his body around like he's, you know, a fourth line plug that, in, yeah. you know, it, it, there's different types of emotion, but Neeland, I don't know how, or like, yeah, I don't know how he does it, but how he can keep himself. So I don't know what the best word to describe it would be like, that's what I mean. It's like every game there seems to be like, even if it's not emotions, there's like a narrative that gets in their head. If it's like, oh, we've been bad on the power play or we've been bad in overtime, whatever it is that's like becoming a trend that tends to get in their heads. And I think it's less emotions. It, it, that wasn't as much what I wanted to say. It's, it's the things that they let get into their heads that become um, patterns and, um, you know, I, I'm, I don't, I guess I don't really have a word for it, but he manages to not fall into those things. And it, I hope that that stays and kind of bleeds through the rest of the team in the playoffs because, I mean, he was able to keep that up in the Montreal series. And, uh, you know, when the, the rest of the team was kind of starting to fall off, he was the most consistent one scoring. So if everybody else plays like that and doesn't let this whole, oh, it's game, it's, you know, the first round again, we're going to blow it. And he just goes, no, nah, guys, we're fine. Maybe the best word would be like kind of a, kind of aloof. Like he's kind yeah. of cool and calm and distant. Just, you know, you're going to say I'm great. Cool. You're going to say I'm shit. Cool. I'm still going to do my thing. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. We just want him to put the emotion into the play and to take his frustration out on the ice in a smart manner, of course. But before the three goals, um, Nylander had a good chance. And then uh, Marner missed off a rebound but from a Timmins shot. And then Matthews had a huge, I think he went down on both knees, taking a huge spinning shot. So the guys were a little frustrated as it, is, as it was. And then after the Caps goal, it was either the Matthews or JT line out there. So like, shit, especially from a no-name defender, right? But uh, you could tell, like, with that shot, Nylander, man, going down on one knee felt so good. But they were chasing. And you had TVR coming in right after. TVR. <laughs> TVR. Trevor Van Riemsdyk. But I don't know. Tonight, they just weren't clicking or not finding each other the same way that they usually have anyway the last month or so as well no um but another positive thing timbit's picking up another assist on matthew's goal matthew's getting his 16th on the season timbit's with six assists already like the guy's gotten more points than like a third of the team does it's crazy (laughs) we we touched on or i touched on a little bit last time i was on um He's so calming when he's out there. I don't know if it's his poise with the puck or how quickly he can get it off when he needs to, but anytime I see him out there, I'm, I have no concerns. Like It's not like last year's Justin Hall, sorry, as my cat plays with a bell in the background, um, <laughs> where he gets the puck and you're like, oh, God, here we go. You, you have this sense of calm. Oh, okay, you know, Timmins got it this is good. It's going to get out of our end or at the very least, it's not going to be in the back of our net because he's been playing so consistent and so steady. 
Yeah, his his pass on that Matthews goal, like he he got it around the line there, and it was it wasn't like an immediate. Oh, I need to get rid of this because I'm a defenseman and Matthews is out here. Like he waited that second or two to okay, where's he going? Where's everybody else? Okay, now I'm going to feed it to him, and it's that patience that's really been setting him apart and uh, and allowing him to get all these assists. This is crazy. Yeah. But speaking of forwards and scoring, uh, the Leafs clearly know that they have a problem on the power play, and Keefe has rearranged PP1 to only have the core plus bunting on the sequence. So the Leafs only had two power play opportunities this game, nothing connected. I don't know, guys. Like the first one was a bit of a fail. Uh, the Leafs almost ate it and learned the hard way when uh, the Caps went two on one the other way and Marner was out of gas and, you know, couldn't really keep up. Would you keep it? Would you keep five forwards on the PP or? No, no. as soon as they turned it over, they were scrambling clearly. And it was, uh, I get the idea when you're trying to come back, but I just don't think it worked. Like four is already, I get that it's the standard now, but it's already pushing it for how much you're capping yourself defensively. I think you're you're really pushing it by putting five of them out there. But if you can do it like that second power play, they had a ton of good chances. It's not like they weren't producing, right? Like the first one being broken up by the intermission, that always kind of throws a, a damper in the power play. Yeah. Yeah. But the second one, they had chance after chance after chance. So I believe they did go back to the four and one on that second. I wasn't paying that close of attention to it. My bad. Yeah. But you're going to go through slumps. For some reason, the Leafs, even with this team, have the tendency to go through prolonged slumps of not getting it on the power play. Thankfully, we can still get it 5-on-5, five five, so we don't have to worry too, too much. And if it wasn't getting chances and decent chances, like just if they were just doing lobs on the net from the point, okay, yeah, you need to do some drastic changes. But they're still buzzing out there. They just they got goalied a little bit. Honestly, they did. I mean, 36 shots is, uh, you expect to get more than two there. Just without looking at it, because I pulled up the team stats, how of 30 skaters that have dressed for the Leafs this year, where do you think Connor Timmons places in uh, points? You said he's what? Mm. He's at what, five or six now? He's at six points. Where do you think that puts him among uh, all 30 dressed Leafs this year? I'm going to say he's he's probably 15th. top 20. Steph says 15th. So I got to pick a more accurate number? Pick a number. Um, he's been all over everyone talking about him lately. I'll do 16th. He is 14th. Oh. Ahead right of <laughs> Nick Robertson, Timothy Lilligren, TJ Brody, Zach Aston Reese, Dennis Mulligan, and Justin Hall. Uh, the rest of them have played. I mean, Victor Mete's played the most of the rest of them, but yeah. Then you have yeah. Clif- Clifford Simmons, um, Abe Kubel, Hollowell, Crawl, Anderson, yeah. Anderson, Muzzin. yeah, Muzzin. Wow. So since we're talking about it, Alan Peterson tonight asks any take on the new power play, and also what are your thoughts on Connor Timmins? The two things well, we're hitting right now. Yeah, so. I mean, it's, it's worked into the convo. So I, I love what Timmons has been doing. Like I said, one more point, and he's tied with Pontus Holmberg. And uh, the guy's going on his seventh game. Like, this is crazy. 
I know he's it's obviously he's playing above his uh, his normal numbers and he's seeing more minutes than he would because of all the injuries but he's stepped into the role and it's it's nothing uh nothing to be you know looking down at I think the t- thing too is that he he's earned Keith's trust especially um on the power play over Mark Giordano uh he's kind of earned that PP2 role aside from Sandine being bumped down tonight with the new experiment but um I think his defensive play has earned him that role as well like we've had Mac Hollowell up we've had Victor Mete I know we have injuries but Hey, sometimes it doesn't hurt to try the next guy, especially if it turns out like this. And he's really been filling in for Riley, it seems, as that kind of, you know, smart offensive defender, but also with some defensive side, maybe a little more than Riley has been this year. But and um, uh, like it's been a good fill in. Not to bash on Mo, because I love Mo, but maybe with that extra little size, he's got a little bit extra strength and, and oomph when he's trying to help push people out of the way out front. Yeah. And again, not to bash Mo at all. It's just, it's, he's been filling the role, um, which is something that they need, right? Like there's nobody really, uh, they have a lot of defensive defensemen that have stepped up, but they don't really have anybody besides like Sandine and Lilligren are, are developing into that, but nobody that can really take on that role right now. Cause Sandine and Lily kind of, they'll, they'll have like four or five good games. And then it's like, Oh boy, guys, Sandine had a couple bad turnovers tonight. Luckily, like I pointed out, he blocked a shot right after turning it over and, uh, you know, creating that huge chance for the Caps at the other end. He put his whole body in front of one, but man, he had a rough night. Riley will look good as the second line left winger when he comes back. (laughs) Honestly, I don't hate it. Yeah, well, Mike, uh, the (laughs) fanatic, actually said to try him up there, right? So... Why not at this point? They're throwing everyone in the in the hat. But my thoughts on the five forward power play. Uh, I thought Marner was thinking a little too hard about playing the defensive role. Like he's really good at distributing the puck, but when it means covering both points and if they're not rotating through, I found that he was like, oh shit, like I gotta be there too sort of thing. And hey, I'm not knocking him. I think he's an awesome defensive forward. Definitely in the talks for the Selkie. But put Geo up there, guys. Or Lily, someone who has a big blast from the point. Utilize that. Like, rotate Marner down behind the net or through the middle. Anywhere fucking else, right? As as much as I love him and what he's done for us with all these injuries, it, and, and it sounds silly because it's only December, but I think we got to start kind of load managing Geo a little bit here. Because we need him to be able to do that kind of thing in the playoffs. Yeah. Right. And now that Ben's back, like lighten the minutes, bring Jordy and put them both on the third line or the third pair together have, you know, uh, like Sandine and uh, I don't know. I don't know who they got anymore, but Uh, honestly, (laughs) honestly, really, you could, you know, while Riley's out, pretty much rotate all of them in and out. Sit for a game here, sit for a game there. It might sound silly, but I think Hall could benefit from, you know, a one-game mm-hmm. rest. Geo could benefit from a one-game rest. It, you pick a defenseman, and, and they could benefit from it. Maybe keep Brody in for a little bit because he was just off. Let him get his rhythm back and everything. But Well, and these I'll, are all guys that are used to playing 16 minutes. They've been playing like 22 for the last month and a half. Like Exactly. It's, not, it's nothing against any of them, but they've all been overplayed. 
Geo's lowest time on ice tonight, 1732, and the highest was Brody at 2004. So pretty even across. I think Keith is getting that memo. Um, thank you, Geo, for your for your awesome work. Of course, I, when he was pay, playing twenty five plus minutes, damn. But I agree, you gotta you gotta load management him again again. But this rest of the game, oh man, you know, second period goes on. Matthews awesome goal after Eric doubles down, but going into the third, scoring ten seconds in for the Caps. Ugh, just, yeah, that one hurt. Two to four, or four to two for the Cavs. Oh my God! But you still have hope. What about what about Anthony Mantha though? This is something I want to talk about with this play where he rides Justin Hall into the boards. I don't understand why there was no call on this because not only was it like blatantly, you know, holding, boarding, charging, whatever you want to call it. Like it was a bunch of things, but it was also a hit to the head, and it was dangerous. Like I don't understand if you want to get head. Um, contact hits out of the game like you have to do something about this I really hope there's at least you know the a review of it tomorrow like they're gonna look at a suspension or a fine because like that was clearly not going for the puck and and forcing somebody's head into the boards wasn't Justin St. Pierre one of the officials that screwed us over a couple times in the bubble in the lockout year or the bubble in the like the Canadian division year uh, I wasn't probably. paying attention to them then, but if you say so, probably. I believe he was, and not trying to get all conspiracy theory here, but our buddy Darty hasn't been on in a while, so someone's got to say it. <laughs> um, those comments from Sutter after the Calgary game. You can't tell me the league didn't hear those and think, okay, if it's qu- if it's borderline, maybe don't call it. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. Hundred percent. It should have been a penalty. I'm all for um, doing anything we can to start protecting these players. I do not want to get hitting out of the game, but more and it, more, there's so many head injuries, and it starts to become scary, man. Like, look at Muzzin. Look at all these players that have come out now. A lot of them were enforcers. I'm not saying it's their fault, but a, a lot of them were enforcers. We have all these former players who are coming out with, you know, uh, addiction issues or serious health issues because of traumatic brain injuries. But this, like I get with hitting, but this wasn't even a hit. This was mm -hmm. like, it's one thing to talk about this in the context of, you know, someone's coming in and the, the check came a little high. This wasn't even that. This was holding somebody and riding them in and making sure that they cannot avoid their head hitting the boards. Like, this is something that goes beyond whether the hit was clean or not. Yeah. So like, I, I get where you're coming from and I, I like, there's a whole conversation about, you know, borderline and, and, and whatnot, but I just don't see how this is, is borderline, not anything, you know, like this was an attack. <laughs> like I, I can pretty much guarantee you if you asked the official, he would say that Hall was already falling Why that lost happened? You there. Oh, now you're back. Sorry, I lost you in the middle of that. I don't know if we recorded it, but I couldn't hear. Did you realize um, that? If it, you heard, I, then it's good. I swear, if you would ask the yes. official, you would end up getting the, them saying that you know what he was already falling beforehand. So that's why the, the hit ended up that way. That if he didn't lose his left skate edge and start to go down beforehand, it would have been clean. 
That's probably what the official said. We we cannot injure Justin Hall. We cannot slow him down any slower than what he already is. So let's just protect our boys and complain about it. Well, he even had a talk (laughs) with the officials after. Like, the fuck was that? Like, my helmet came off. Yeah, the commentators immediately said, how is that not a penalty? Especially when the effort wasn't going after the puck. It was immediately towards Hall and pushing him down. Guys, exactly. why am I having deja vu dreams of helmets flying up into the air? Like, <laughs> like I don't like this. No, no. Especially when you can't play without a helmet. Like This is just cheating at this point in my mind. Especially if you're going to rip that off someone's head then they just turn in inactive on the ice uh yeah okay but- let's go to another question here because we got to move on um and i think beaner's headset's gonna die soon i think so that's what uh, happened because it was giving me a battery warning as as i was trying to say that oh gotcha <laughs> um so do we have another question here to touch on because i mean everybody knows here the yes. game ends with uh, another goal from uh, Eric Gustafsson, who becomes the fifth Swedish defenseman to get a hat-trick. And he had a whole three goals last year, so I I don't know how that happened. Seems like all defensemen are scoring tonight. So, yeah. Mikey D asked from the Believers podcast, shout out. uh, Ovi didn't get on the scoreboard. Can we call that a win? I mean... I think so. Yeah. Yeah, Timmins gets his uh, his his little Timbits, and Matthew scores, and Nylander scores, and Ovi doesn't. I think that's good. It's cool it's kind that. of interesting how some of these big moments can can line up perfectly, though, right? I don't know if you caught it on the broadcast. Gordy Howe scored his 545th goal to become the all-time leading goal scorer at the time against Montreal to pass Rocket Richard. And now mm-hmm. Ovi has a chance to score his 801st to tie Gordie Howe for second all time against Detroit. Yeah. Did you also see that uh, little thing before the game where he scored, which I, what I think was his first goal while Wayne Gretzky was the head coach of the Arizona Coyotes and Austin Matthews was in the stands watching. So that wasn't his first goal, but that was probably his best goal. Yeah. they. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. It wasn't his first, but something around the beginning of his career there. Yeah, it, it was his. It should have been his rookie season, um, and off the top of my head, I should know the goalie. Part of me almost thinks it was when Cujo was in Phoenix. Um, yeah, but it would have been Phoenix then. R- ridiculous goal, skating in, doing a little a little deke around the defender, ends up falling on his back, and still, you know, has the wherewithal to to corral it and slide it in behind the goalie. Just absolutely incredible. That was beautiful. Yeah, shout out to Mitch Marner blocking a 96.5 mile per hour shot in the first period. That must have hurt. And shout out to Lilligren, who also broke his stick on an OV shot on the power play for the cap. So, yeah, I think it's a win whenever he doesn't score against the Leafs. We all know that OV has the Leafs number. Uh, He loves to score against the Leafs. So I think that's a win. And as being... um, you know, said last time he was on, sometimes the losing team has to take the win in a specific category. And if that's, you know, not letting Ovi score on you tonight, that's a win for us. Um, Thoughts next, on JVR uh, coming back. 
Yeah. Second part of his question. Um, no. I'm no. If you have left, I'm in the camp that you should, you know, never come back. Um, JVR is injury prone. He just got activated off IR. I know he has hands in front of the net, but we have better options right now, I think. Bring him back. Bring him back. I, I love it. Him. The power play struggling. Throw him back in front of the net there, man. You got Matthews and Nylander firing at the net, and you can switch. Power play one has JT in front of the net, and power play two's got him. Come on. You can roll out a, a top six of Matthews, Nylander, and Bunting, and then Tavares, Marner, and JBR. I'm in. Well... People, you know, we got rid of Luke Shin and JVR. Luke Shin for JVR, and now everyone wants both of them back. <laughs> yeah. We can't have everything all at once. I don't yes, know. we can, because now we don't have either of them, and we can get both of them. But Boston <laughs> Boston did it with Taylor Hall and um, Nick Foligno. They ended up with both of them, so we can get both of these guys. <laughs> for the price? What depends on the price? I mean, Not they want to get rid of JVR. Fetch. Neither of them is going to fetch a huge return because they're both on the back nine of their career. That's what I mean. I think they're both affordable options. Like people can talk all they want about, you know, oh, we should go for Ryan O'Reilly or JT Miller. And it's like, even like the Bo Horvat thing, it's like, we're not going to get these guys because they're not going to give up what it's going to cost to get them. But somebody like JVR is a more realistic conversation because Philly needs to get rid of this contract if they want to rebuild. It's not someone that's on an expiring deal, really. Or is he? Or is it just a check? Because I know they were talking about them retaining. I think he is expiring, but it's still like a seven million cap hit, um, and they got to. Uh, he's only owed about five, I think they said. So he, um, you know, I think Philly's just going to want to offload him to to move on from seven. what they've got. Yeah, seven. At You're the end of the. Me. Yeah, a UFA after this year. Okay, uh, so they're the in a position where they want to. Uh, since we're on there. the top, sorry, you just got cut out for a second for me there. <laughs> you just repeat what you said. No, I just said uh, Philly's in a position where they're, they're going to want to rebuild. So they're going to want some prospects or picks or something, which is what the Leafs are able to give up right now. And, you know, not some big pieces that I think um, Vancouver would be looking for for their big names or so on. Highest paid player and leading scorer on the on the Flyers tonight, Kevin Hayes got healthy scratched by Torts. Yeah, yes, I heard about that. Torts so... is nuts, but <laughs> I was I was trying to explain this to uh, my girlfriend, saying that like Torts is is the kind of person that's like, however you do in the warm up that day is exactly how he feels about you. Like it doesn't matter how you're doing on the year. If there's a guy who's like fourth line and he's given it all at the pregame warm-up, he's on the first line tonight and the captain scratched. Like, <laughs> that's it. Mm -hmm. So since we're kind of talking about who would you rather on certain lines, yada, yada, um, Mike at the Fanatics says 58, 34, 88, blank, JT, 16. Then we have Kerfoot, Kampf, Ingvall, Czar, blank, blank, and then 29, would like to hear your takes on this. Love Holmberg, but realistically, he isn't the fourth line C. Fill in the blanks with your dream target and your most likely target. Interested to hear the discussion. So, I mean, really, let's focus on a realistic second line 
left winger. Like what's what's out there that's like this is tough to do off the cuff. I think this is something we kind of got to look into and save to have like a more in depth discussion on. Like, well, I, don't, I don't like I don't know who all the the expiring deals are off the top of my head. Well, a, a JVR is a realistic one. That's a, honestly that's the most one realistic one that's come up. Like it's a little romantic because he used to be a Leaf and you know he he was there when Matthews and Marner came in. So there's there's a lot of history there. Um. Yeah, I, I'm. I I don't know it. If I'm Dubis and you know I'm a quote unquote lame duck GM this year, do I really want my final swing potential final swing? Not that I want them to move him. I think Dubis has done well, especially with everything that's gone on since he's taken over. Do I want my final swing to be on JVR, on an aging JVR? Um, it's it's one uh, thing to say, you know, you went out and you got an aging Patrick Kane who still has the potential to put up, you know, 70 points. But it's 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 such a, a hard thing to say. And I don't think we're really going to know anything until close to the deadline because it's not like last year. Last year before Christmas, you basically had the eight teams in the Eastern Conference set who were going to make the playoffs. This year, there's a lot more that's wide open. So if you have a team that's right on the cusp, they're not going to want to give up these guys until they know, you know, we don't have a chance to make it. What about, I'm just looking at left wings expiring this year. What about Max Domi? I was going to comment about that the other day um, when we were on and and I called it live when Ovi got his 800th because Domi was looking good that game. And yet again, you can always seem to find some form or some way to romanticize a certain player coming to the Leafs. His dad used to play here. He grew up, you know, basically living in the Leafs dressing room. That would be kind of cool. But yet again, he's not like what's what's been our, our biggest problem come playoff time. It's not what everybody says. It's not grit, hitting, toughness, whatever. Get your, you know, go put your head back in your bag. It's scoring because teams have been able to shut down a lot of the offense that the Leafs have been able to do in the regular season. So if, if you're looking for scoring, you almost need someone more of like a JVR than a Domi. Not that Domi can't score, but he's kind of uh, at... He's got 10 goals already this year in 29 games. Historically in the NHL, it's not like he's been a top of the league scorer. Like he hasn't been a... We're not going to get that. We're... You know, I'll call it right now. We're not getting Patrick Kane. Sorry, everybody. But I don't think he's geared towards that, like towards the solid score. He'd be, I'd see him more as of a a bunting coming in. You know, maybe a little more skilled than bunting, but kind of that. I agree. Pretty-ish player, right? Yeah, he's going to be a hyped up guy like every other guy coming to the Leafs in this kind of profile, you know, like a speedy little winger who can score, but then kind of fails with the Leafs because the Leafs are so talented. And yes, they're surrounded with all of this elite talent, but sometimes the job's not for everyone. And in a dream world for me, I would love to see Timo Meyer come to the Leafs. He's kind of guaranteed talent, um, in my opinion. This is so out of reach, though. I know it's going to be like impossible unless he's just a yeah. rental and then wasted money unless it actually works out. <laughs> like, 
he's a, he's a right hard. wing too, though. Oh, no, he's left. Oh, he's left. No, he's left wing. Hmm. Hockey Database yeah. has him listed as right wing. Oh, oh weird. Shows you how many weird. San Jose games I watch. Let me see if he's listed as on Yahoo because, I mean, that's the closest usually. I think he's um, dual. That's pretty well, sad if we're yeah, looking at Yahoo for something to be legitimate they, or finalized. It's my go-to. It's, at least for <laughs> positions, they have to track it because there's money involved. That's the only reason I trust it. Um, the one that I keep landing back on is Jason Zucker. They're because not going to move Zucker. They love him think. down there. Yeah. makes $5.5 million and he's going to be 31 like I could see a, a Kubalik in Detroit getting moved, um, Buchnevich in St. Louis if they start to have a fall off. I know they did that big trade, but they're kind of that up in the air, good. right? Buchnevich mm-hmm. would be amazing. Could go and get um, uh, Jared McCann back. No, Seattle's not going to move him. <laughs> that would be great. Um, or even like else? Tyler Bertuzzi. No so, thanks. Another name that's been kind of lost or to the Leafs for the longest time has been um, Lawson Krause from Arizona. Be a nice grab, but I don't know if we can afford him. Honestly, yeah, the, the way two... this keeps coming back, I'm like, I think it's JVR, guys. The two blanks on the fourth line, I think those are fill-ins from our farm. Um our barn you know like just the rotation we're already going through once everyone's healthy and don't forget about cliffy and simmer right like they're still rostered with us so we'll see but just to move it on uh fun guy at south paul pal asks who are you starting versus tampa so two games, two losses back to back, one for each goalie. I would give it to Murray. Keith's pretty would... much come out not that long yeah. ago and said he's going to be alternating them for a while. So definitely Murray, because we've had a couple off games, but that's to be expected. It's not like anybody's played astronomically bad. Yep. Yeah, and sorry, just going back, I'm because I'm still looking at the list here. Nick Bukestad would be a really good grab from Arizona, I think, for the the bottom line there. Dude only makes 900K. He's on an expiring deal in Arizona. He's got 12 points in 28 games this year. He's got seven goals. Like, honestly, as the fourth-line center, that's a really good. it, it, It would be interesting. He's been really, really hit and miss. Basically, his entire career, he'll have a, a hot season and a cold season and just kind of go all over the place. Um, we are pretty good with collecting coyotes. So if they want to have the big market here and actually work out, then more well, than that's what I mean. Like they have the, the history there. So as far as centers go on the bottom end, there's not that many on expiring deals on teams that are not playoff bound. Like, Lucas Sedlak on Philly. I don't even know who that is. Um, there's really not that many. Tyler Mott would be available, but I don't really want to go there. I think it's, you know, yeah. we're grabbing Nick Bugstad and uh, and James Van Riemsdyk. <laughs> 
How about Max Comtois? I don't know much. About, I mean, I haven't followed him that much to have an opinion. I feel like he would be an option because he was really highly t- touted, especially in his rookie year. And then he had a horrible, or so far, sophomore slump. And they had higher expectations for him. But for his cap, like, it might work. Uh, 6'2", 210, 2 mil. Okay. Um, but- just to, to move it on, I do want to talk about the... Um- the prospect of an 84 game season and uh, how that breaks down being more games against your division rivals. And then uh, still sticking with the two games against the teams in the West coast. There are the, uh, the opposite conference. What do you guys think about adding two to the regular season and presumably taking two from the preseason to do so? Don't hear you Bean. might have to switch your uh, input, but what do you think Steph? Um, do we need to lengthen the season anymore? I mean, we're already fighting injury as enough as it is. And but you're taking more. them from the preseason. It's just a matter of whether the game, it's like taking two games from preseason and making them count. Like you're not playing more hockey. It's just more of it is okay. counting. Then I'm for that. Yeah. Sometimes preseason's too long. It is. And this is the what the uh, the NFL did in order to go up to 18 games. So... I am for it just because, I mean, like the discussion has been around the scheduling this year has just been weird. The, you know, Flames and Oilers are already done their series, I think. And, uh, you know, this is the first time the Leafs have played the Rangers was this week. And it's like, you know, their Mm. original six teams. So it's just, there's a lot of weird scheduling things that uh, people have been talking about. There was the whole thing with American Thanksgiving where you had all these Canadian teams playing at one and two o'clock in the afternoon and Mm -hmm. people pointing out, uh, the last game before the Christmas break, the Leafs play the Flyers at two in the afternoon as well on a Thursday. Yeah. I was just about to look that up because I knew it was coming. But hey, if it's better for scheduling, like I don't have a, much of an opinion about this. Um, maybe Beaner would have more so of a broken down opinion. But what do you think, Beaner? 82 game, I mean, 84 games. Honestly, I, I love it. Um, Sorry about the technical difficulties no there, worries. guys. My no headphones worries. died, so I had to go find another set. Um, you look like you're ready to play some COD. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is 100% my headphones from my Xbox. Um, nice. It'd be more Halo for me than COD. but boy. So initially, no. I, I want to keep the season the way it is. It's borderline pushing too long. Like, we're handing out the Stanley Cup in June, right? That's that that can board can push it to be a little too long, but with Weasel running the league, there's no way we're getting away from some form of extension because he can't do math. We had the escrow paid down to what seven million a couple months ago, and now it's seventy. He just yeah. forgot a zero somewhere. Yeah, literally. Um, so they're gonna look for any and all ways to get more money. If that means shortening the preseason and adding two to the regular season, I'm all for it. I would much rather that than a play-in game. As much excitement or whatever you want to call it that could cause, that's not hockey. It works in other sports. It doesn't work in hockey. Football, you can have game, you know, one game you win and you're done. That's awesome. Soccer, you can have one game you win and you're done. That's awesome. It works for certain sports. I don't think that kind of thing works for hockey. Unless it's a, like a shortened tournament. 
like the Olympics or world juniors, right? If you have all these guys go and play 82 or 84 games and they're in a playoff position and then they have to play one more game afterwards and that game knocks them out, then that whole 82, however many game season it is, is pointless. Yeah. Right. You- it, it just, it, it diminishes the, the regular season games. So you would almost probably, this could be just me going to an extreme, but you could probably have fans who don't even want to go to a regular season game, especially for the price of some of these tickets, because it, it's not going to mean as much. Right. So 84, I think would be a good compromise. And the fact that they said, like they mentioned on the broadcast, they said that they would cut down on the preseason. I think you're going to have players all for that because a lot of players hate the preseason. Here are two things that I will point out as downsides to this. The first one in cutting down the preseason is you're taking out games that are more accessible to local fans because they are, you know, 10 or 20 bucks to go to instead of 100 to $200, depending on, like I'm talking as a Leaf fan. Um, if I'm going to go see the Leafs and Sens play here in Ottawa, I can go see that for 20 bucks in preseason yes you you know you get what you're paying for it's a preseason game but i think for families uh it's a good thing to be able to do because when your kids are are young enough that they don't really understand like what it is that they're seeing you can take them to a leaf game and it's preseason and it's affordable to take like you know a couple kids to right um so i think in cutting down the number of that it, it removes accessible games um the other thing is it skews historical stats a little bit because if you've got all these guys playing two extra games, the numbers are going to be, you know, everything's going to have an asterisk for a while. They're going to have to adjust historically for, you know, having two extra games and you're shaking your head at me. Why are you shaking your head at me, Bean? <laughs> because uh, I, I see where you're going with that, but it, it's changed so many times over the years. We had an 84 game season in what was it 94 or 95 or 96 or something like that. Oh really? Yeah, there was one. I was two. Give me a break. 84 games, mm-hmm. um, and you, you go back to the 50s, 60s, 70s. The, the number of games has has fluctuated. Never a lot. It's not like it's fluctuating 20 games every other year, but it has changed and fluctuated. So. You you never hear that in the conversation with oh Gretzky got his fifty and thirty nine yeah but Twitter well, wasn't around then I know but a you lot know of what these I mean there's Twitter a... don't even know how to watch something unless it's in high def so but it's well, going to create gonna go back argu- and watch previous games anyways it's going to create arguments around like yeah but he did, he had two extra games to do it like people are going to make those arguments you know they will but, but that's because they don't understand the progression of the game and they don't. All, all they want to do is to get their, you know, 10, 15, 20 seconds of fame on Twitter complaining about something and having 200 people go, yeah, yeah, you're right. It, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. I'm still going to have to see it. Um, <laughs> my first point still stands that I think uh, I think you're taking away games that people can go to easily. Um, but, but I'm I'm all for, you know, more regular season games and taking away preseason. I just think that that is... A fair argument the other way. Just don't turn it into baseball with a hundred and or a thousand and twenty games, whatever it is. Um that's insane. Hundred and sixty two. I think that's what it is. We we talked about it at the beginning of the season as of right now, because we touched on the fact that the Leafs were playing the Senators in Belleville. Like if you're gonna take preseason games away, take them away from the large ranks. Do what you used to do. Have preseason and training camps in smaller cities or smaller communities so that you can build your fan base. Because I believe it was Detroit, and I think it might have even been Pittsburgh a couple times, had training camp and preseason in Brantford 
Amazing. Like, which is okay. It's the home of Gretzky, but like, it, it's not a massive town. It's not a bustling metropolis. <laughs> like, yeah, I get what you mean. Like, I don't need to see the Leafs play Detroit in a preseason game at Scotiabank Arena. Like, that is stupid. Do it in Belleville. Do it in Kingston. Do it in uh, Sudbury. Like, right? Like, just all over the place to allow people. Because even if you have it at Scotiabank Arena and it's you're saying $20, it's never going to be that at Scotiabank Arena. It doesn't matter if it's preseason or not. But even if 40. you're having it at Scotiabank Arena, yes, the ticket may be cheaper. You still got to get into town, which is a hassle by yourself, let alone with a family. You still got to pay for food, which unless you want to feed everybody McDonald's, it's okay. still going to be. But it, you get what I mean. I, the, the difference. I, I know, you're but never I've, doing I always that. try to be the voice of reason on the show. You're never doing that, though, with a family <laughs> if you have like hundred and something dollar tickets. Like it's it could be the difference for some people in going to a game or not like. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying there is a certain it might be small but there is a certain percentage of the income level that they fit right into can't afford going to Toronto to see a preseason game or I mean like for me in Ottawa like I said like it's really accessible not to mention there are very cheap games here in Ottawa they're advertising $35 tickets right now but preseason against Mm -hmm. the Leafs for 25 30 bucks is is something uh crazy because i spent like close to 200 on them for ottawa but but you know how you get your young family into hockey into live hockey if you can't afford to go to leaf games go to games in arizona well i don't know about no, that with still... arena if i go there i might get my finger bit off um <laughs> no uh your canadian hockey league that's one of them and even more so and we saw the other day they just had a massive announcement about the salary cap the PHF, yeah. the Women's League. It's great hockey. It's good live hockey. It's not going to be near the cost of it. And it gets it's a good way to get exposure to people who to young people who you want to become fans, who want to become lifelong fans of the game. Because at the end of the day, I don't care who Patrick's watching. If I take him to a live game, I want him to enjoy it because of how I enjoy it. And you can't say that if you go to a Toronto six game that he's not going to enjoy it. It's great hockey. Oh no, totally. Totally. I just, there's the other side. That's like, if he's of the age where you can take him to a game and say, that's Austin Matthews and be like, that's awesome. Even though this game doesn't count for anything. Like it's that, that's the thing that you, you, I'm just playing the other side of it. I don't, I'm not saying I like having nine or seven preseason games that we have. Uh, I just think the other thing about playing them in, in places like Belleville is there's a really limited number of seats, right? Like you're not looking at a full arena. You're looking at like 2000 seats. So still well, tough. Be- Belleville has an AHL team. Mm-hmm. It's it's not like you're playing in, in Woodstock or Norwich. Like where... No, but there were 2000 seats. I think that's what it was. I can't remember what that arena houses, but that's. Or maybe it was five. That's what you do. It's not like the Leafs need the money. No, but people want to go to the game. And if you're going to bring it, like, okay, we're getting, we're getting off of this. <laughs> I'm trying to buy tickets to a Toronto Boston game, which we all know is for rich people. And the cheapest deal I can find for four tickets comes to a thousand dollars. Holy. Sh- 
<sighs> I'm debating. Two fifty a ticket. It's row nine, center ice, upper level. Um, uh, I don't know, guys. Like I'm conflicted. I've found other tickets where it's like you uh, can find better than that. Come to Ottawa yeah. for the Leaf games. I already have tickets for them. Yeah. It's just the Boston thing with our Boston friends are, you know, we're trying to get to a game once in our lives and every other pair, they go like crazy or they're sold out already. I think standing room for one pair was like six something. What? So I don't know. It's messed. Yeah. So you guys talking about these prices just reminds me, damn, I need to make a decision about these tickets. <laughs> Or find yeah. cheaper ones. Now that I think of it, the tickets I got for the Leaf game here in Ottawa, um, it was like one fifteen each, I think. So like comparable, it's a lot cheaper than going in Toronto. But I mean, they still jack the prices up for the Leaf games. Like I said, I can buy Sens and Columbus tickets for like $35 for the hundreds. So I saw a Snapchat memory from the other day. I was at money? a Leaf. Uh, Leafs game six years ago and it's just a picture of me cheersing my beer with my partner and I was like lol 3650 ha 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 and I'm like damn I wish I paid that last month because I was going through my credit card statement and it was like 48 something 46 <laughs> something like boom 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 like down in a row I'm like damn two beers now cost almost $50 it's went up that much in the last four or six years or whatever it was and I was laughing at myself back then now I'm just like yay unlimited beer for some reason with my credit card <laughs> totally non-hockey related I went to I will not name which one a craft brewery um and I went to <laughs> I grabbed a a tall boy uh, out of the fridge that they had there because it they had okay so they have like the the little four packs of the tall boys there's like the little mini thing on top of them holding four together and it said like 750 and i'm like oh i mean we're at the brewery that's a pretty good deal and i go to grab it and my buddy taps me and he goes they're 750 each i'm like are you joking <laughs> at the brewery where they make it so we're taking out distribution we're taking out like all of the 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 I guess just distribution, but from the source for one tall boy can was $7 and 50 cents. And I'm going to hazard a nuts. guess that it's an IPA. No, it was a, it was a sour beer. Cause I'm oh, okay. weird and like sour beer. For some strange reason, the only thing that most breweries know how to make is IPAs. And it's like the laziest, shittiest beer. Now this I one's pretty good. Day. They they also make, and I don't want to give too much away to name which one this is because I am bashing them, but I do like all their stuff. It's just really expensive. They make um, a non-alcoholic drink that is quite good that is sold a lot of places. So since we're on the food topic or drink topic, I want to hear your opinion, Bean, since you weren't here last episode. Oh, baby. Start, bench, cut, pancakes, waffles, and French toast. You have to say okay. it for everyone. I know you commented on Twitter, but just explain yourself. So 100% French toast start. 100%. I don't care who wants to come at me for that, but you haven't had my dad's French toast. What kind of bread does he use? Um, the Texas One. toast. Like the Texas toast that you can buy. like, Or it looks like that, like the big, thick, short the loaf. Thick ones. Um, and it's got so much cinnamon in it. 
like he the way he makes it i don't know everything he puts in it i gotta get him to teach me one day but it is so good um long story short my parents are split every weekend i was over there he made it for me every morning um so 100 french toast um after that waffles and pancakes are kind of sort of a toss-up but if i had to choose i'd probably say waffles Yo, there's okay. nothing better than when you're at a hotel and you go to the breakfast bar and they've got one of those things, you know, the, the waffle, waffle tur- the turnover ones. But Quality asterisk is. to that, as long as there is not some child under the age of 13 in front of you that does not know how it works and is unsupervised and fucks the thing up before you get there and overfills it and then they have to call somebody out and then I'm like, you know what, I'm out. I can't get a waffle before they close this thing at 7.30 in the morning because it's a hotel breakfast bar. But, oh, my God, those things are the best. Yep. Choice hotels, the whole line of them have have the hot breakfast. And sometimes they have blueberry pancake mix or waffle mix with the original. Nice. I only know this because our trip, we were in so many hotels. And every morning I was looking for that waffle maker. <laughs> one, of, one of my service trips this past summer... Um, I want to say I was staying in Barrie. Um, they had an apple cinnamon mix for the waffles. Oh, wow. It was Fancy. so good. Did they have a berry mix? I, I saw apple cinnamon and I just, I almost ate them out of that. So you didn't, my joke just I, went no, I com- over no, both. No, I, I completely ignored it. You dick. The quality <laughs> so different too from each hotel. Like we're in the exact same hotel line and it's like completely let night the service. Anyway. I'm just I'm sorry, we, we have a we have a running joke in, in our house of dad jokes and they they drive my wife and my son insane. <laughs> and uh so I, I always try to come up with them, but I'm I'm horrible at it and then every now and then my son will come up with a zinger and it just it kills us. <laughs> oh. Kids so, kids yeah. coming up with good jokes are the best. It's like yep. the last thing you expect is like, yo, how did you come up with that that quick? And all I've been hearing all morning is all I want for Christmas is my tooth front teeth because he lost one of his front teeth this morning eating breakfast. So, oh no way, <laughs> was he eating recipe ninety one? Uh, no, French I wish. <laughs> no, no, he was having a granola bar. Oh, is that'll the do tooth it. fairy coming tonight? The tooth fairy is coming tonight. How much? And yeah, my what son tooth tried fairy bringing. What do he teeth tried? go for these days? Um, yeah. Well, according according to him, one of his classmates got a hundred dollars. Oh, get the oh. fuck out of here! I that can't be right. I think that's my kid trying to pull a fast one. No, that's some kid going to school saying I got a hundred dollars for one of my teeth, and my dad works for Yu Gi Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's I'm just saying. Oh, um, I think it was a couple bucks last tooth he lost. Nice, couple bucks. Yeah. Bean, in this economy? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. My parents are also divorced, so whenever I lost teeth at my dad's house, I got a 20. What? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> it was the best. This is uh, obviously pre-2008 financial crisis. <laughs> oh, I'm talking like 96 that's, here. Okay? That's what I mean. <laughs> 96 how soon did you start losing teeth i mean the divorce okay maybe like 2000 <laughs> i would have been like eight no okay 99 i don't know 
<laughs> we've got sidetracked so bad here. I don't know. I don't care. It's great. Uh, so next game up against Tampa. Uh, what do we What do we want to see from these guys? What do we want to see? The last two games have been flashes of good, but overall uh, tough for Leafs Nation to watch. So what do you think changes how we feel about this team in the Tampa game? To be completely honest, I don't think anything should change how we feel about this team. It will because it's the Leafs and everybody reacts ridiculously. But I just, I, w- I want to see what we saw in the playoff series against them. We talked about it before. There's a very, very high likelihood that it's going to be us versus them in the first round again this year. Yeah. With how the Leafs played against Tampa last year, I was okay with it. Yes, we lost. But we weren't blown out. We weren't destroyed. We were in the series. We were leading the series. We had a couple chances to close it out. If you can show that you're still on that same level, like just just show you belong. Everybody always tries to compare us to them and to Boston and to, you know, Florida of last year that, you know, you're not going to do anything until you can do it in the playoffs and look at this team and this team and this team. Show that you belong. You got to get there. And the playoffs is just basically, or the regular season is basically practice for the playoffs. If you can do it now, you can do it then. Show that you can still do it now. Yeah, and I mean, I think the the, the biggest thing to point out with the comparisons to Boston and Tampa, and those guys are older. They've had a really long time of keeping the same core of guys together. I mean, of course, we've seen a bit of a rotation around the core in Tampa, but I mean, most of and Boston, but most of those guys in the in the uh, the center of those teams have been exactly the same through the last decade. So, I mean, it's it's almost unfair to to say that you know the Leafs got to do it here, they got to do it there, and it's like. You know, give them the time to because just like these other guys, like if you keep, I know I'm literally walking myself into saying run it back, but if you <laughs> if you keep um, trying with the same star core, like they're only getting better. Where you're seeing, yes, Boston's on a crazy run right now, but Boston and Tampa's guys are are getting older. Where you know we're seeing Toronto's guys getting just into their prime now. So there's only good yeah. things. And not only that, um, when we faced them last season, we were number one on the power play. If Toronto can't get their special teams going, I'm sorry, but it's bad news bears for Toronto. Uh, We need to be firing on all cylinders. And now is the time, like we said, use this game as a measuring stick and have a couple backup plans. If your two top lines aren't clicking and the bottom six can't do anything, maybe don't mix every shift a different matchup and kind of stick with one backup plan and move to the next after maybe a progression in the game um i like that i don't know yeah like i think if you just throw anything it's kind of like picking out of the hat throw 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 and it's like i don't know if you like obviously these guys can play with anyone but you need to be prepared and you need to you know, I'm talking like they don't do their scouting or anything, but we'll see, right? And I, I have all the faith they can be. Like they can be Tampa, and it'll feel great for Murray uh, getting the dub against Vasilevsky. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm expecting a big night for Murray. Better things from the power play, and just I mean the the guys kind of got shut down the last two nights. The top uh, the top four, so. Um, I'd like to see more out of them for a whole sixty minutes instead of 
little flashes of it. Um, and I mean, yeah, they've been fighting, not getting calls and stuff, but I think just playing through it and uh, instead of riding, being the best and that, that kind of confidence that can come with having that 15 game run that they did getting back to reality and just, you know, every game is a new game and uh, don't complain and just, just keep pushing through and showing that you can win. Play, just playing that full team game, right? We, we saw it during that entire streak, whether it was Matthews or Marner or even Nylander, every single person was coming back. Like every forward was coming back playing responsible defensive hockey. It was, it was incredible to watch. And it was, I've commented a couple times. It was something we, I haven't, I don't recall seeing in a long, long time. And even tonight we saw Matthews generating that for his own goal with Timmons there. I mean, he came all the way back to uh, break up that play. Timmons picks it up, feeds it back to him. So like I said, there's flashes of it, but it's a matter of keeping it going for 60 minutes. And I think that's what's going to get you uh, the edge over Tampa. So, Absolutely. That's it. That's all for tonight. Unless anyone has anything to add before we hop out of here. Um, nope. Uh, Sky Blue on Discord joked with us saying that the loss was her fault because she posted five blue hearts in the second intermission um, to... I guess get the Leafs to score five goals, but it backfired. I just want to say, Sky, it's not your fault. I have these thoughts all of the time. Like, if I don't do this, this is going to happen, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, maybe I won't put a bet on the game next game and the Leafs might win because the last two games I've done that. And yeah, anyway. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Whoa. What? Sorry, I have to... The Vancouver Winnipeg game on right now, and the board ads have screwed up so mad, so bad the the boards were black. Oh no! Then the boards around the entire rink were black for a good like thirty seconds. Jeez. Sorry, okay. that was completely random. I looked up and saw that. The boards thing. They should only make the move when play is dead. Yeah. Just throwing I, that out you, there. You know, it, it's not the moving that I have an issue with. It's the losing players. It's we all pay I, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of dollars for these crazy TVs with these crazy setups and, you know, have subscriptions to 4K HD, super ultra Marvel high def. I don't know what the hell you want to call it anymore. 18K. And then, and then we get a Sportsnet broadcast that is so bright we have to adjust the contrast on our TV because it hurts our yeah. eyes. And then you or, go to a San Jose game and you got to turn it back up. Yeah, or you see a player skating up the boards and legitimately half of their body disappears because the ads are so bad. Like, I don't care that they're moving, whatever, because most of the time I'm not watching that, but I do catch it when players disappear off the ice. For me, the moving ones are bad when it's like the players going one way around the boards and there's like a car driving the opposite way. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't want to watch that. I want to watch this. Anytime you're looking at it, they're doing it wrong. Like those ads are supposed to be basically subconscious or when there's a a stoppage in play and it zooms in on something like. But like uh, Marty has said multiple times, shout out to Marty. We're talking about a problem that doesn't exist, right? Yeah. (laughs) Also shout out to Marty for uh, getting 12 more songs signed and uh, published. So uh, congrats, buddy. That's uh, definitely not a small feat. It's tough in the music industry, especially in Canada. Good on you. Absolutely. We're going to be talking about nice. uh, knowing Marty and talking to him and with him about sports in a couple of years when he's big and everybody's talking about him. Hell yeah. 
Uh, last thing, actually, before we head off. Um, sad news from the London Knights mm. is uh, yep. Abakar Kazbekov uh, passed away last night. Um, don't want to speculate on anything, but um, just tragic that they lost one of their teammates at 18-year-old. Uh, yeah, not much to say other than just really unfortunate sad news. They had just played a game against the Owen Sound Attack and uh, was found dead in London, Ontario. So there's an investigation going on, but uh, seems no foul play. And uh, you can go and read up on it if you'd like. I don't really want to get into it here. Yeah, so sad. Don't really know what happened. Just speculation, like you said. And best wishes for the family. Thinking about them. Support. Be kind, guys. At the end of the day, it costs zero dollars to be kind. Yeah, yeah. absolutely horrible news. Um and just it's 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 mind-blowing 18 years old um yet again it the only good thing to come out of this is it, it looks like as you said right now the reports say that there was no foul play so i guess that if you had to look for a bright side that can be a bright side yeah um, just unfortunate especially you know we're a week out of the holidays here so it's uh it's a tough time on the team and the family and, and everybody around him so this, if I read the schedule correctly, this would have been their last game before breaking for Christmas. Yeah, they said they were mm. about to have their uh, their Christmas party, but uh, instead all of the players are uh, being picked up and heading home for yep. uh, the holidays early. So unfortunate and sad yeah. news there. People don't realize that, you know, the, more, the most wonderful time of year is not always that for a lot of people. It's actually very triggering for a lot of people when they think of holidays and Christmas and stuff. So um, just saw a Twitch from Ellen. Her DJ uh, died by suicide at the age of 40, leaving behind some kids and a, a wife and, you know, coming from that atmosphere of happiness and love. Like, you just never know. So... Spe speaking of stuff like that, um, I I don't think I could say I've ever gone to that dark of a place in my life. There's been some dark times, but if you're to that point and you need someone to talk to, even if you never talk to me, if you if you hear this, reach out. I, I I would rather get a message and talk to someone I've never talked to before in my life than to read about hearing some something happening to someone, even if I've never met them. Because as much as there is so much shit going on in the world out there, there's still a lot of good. And yeah, I'm Jeez. I'm I'm on Twitter. Reach out to me if it it, it sounds yeah. odd to say maybe, but it doesn't matter. Seriously, it it much rather talk to someone I've never talked to before than than read about someone else. This is life ending tragically. It's easier to talk to a stranger about things sometimes. Yeah, and uh, on that, even there's resources that you can look up. If I know it's tough, we can we can leave things down um, below here in our uh, description of this. But uh, yeah, ahead of the holiday season, it's not always easy on everybody. So if you feel like you're struggling, reach out and don't feel bad about it because uh, yeah, everybody deals with different things. So anything we can uh, brighten it up before we head out. Hockey history, uh, any follow-up to our question there on the, uh, the broadcast question? I just want to say I'm I am ridiculously embarrassed at my initial guess. I don't know. 
I, I think my head was just going to stuff in Canada because I believe broadcasts in Canada were, were starting to go pretty strong that like not your full hockey hockey night in Canada, but I did not realize, realize how shoddy the national broadcasts in the United States were. Oh yeah. It's crazy. And trying to dig into it a little bit. It's been a crazy work week, so I haven't had a lot of time, but the little bit of time I have tried to, it's very hard to find any any information on local broadcasts. So for anybody that missed the last episode, the question um, for Beaner was, or actually it's two episodes ago now, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, when was the last time that a game was not televised and only broadcast on the radio? So we're trying to figure out when every game being broadcast on TV became standard in the NHL. And so what I've been able to find at least is that like being said in the, in the States, it wasn't consistent until like for national broadcasts until like the eighties, like 1980, 81 season. And, and even then it was um, kind of back and forth between who owned it until the nineties. And then like the, the ownership of it has changed around so much that it's uh, it's been tough to keep, hockey on TV in the States, which is just crazy to think about. And as silly as it sounds, part of me almost wants to think that the, a, a team that was involved or the, or the home arena it was played in that, that whatever game it is that we find out it will be, will be with the Blackhawks. Yeah. Because, because of Wurtz's weird rule. Yeah. He, he absolutely could, He was afraid that it would hurt ticket sales. So he pretty much banned any games from being, broadcast in the chicago area um like starting you can go down a a big rabbit hole with broadcasts and with with games and and videos and tapes of games like daryl sittler's 10 point night there there isn't a a video copy of the entire game in existence Hmm. wow interesting like how ridiculous is that um it's it's mind-boggling some of this stuff but it, I'm, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to do some digging. I'm going to reach out to some people who have a lot more resources than I do. Because I kind of really want to know the answer to this now. But there has been multiple times where it might not be broadcast nationally. But a team will sub out a local channel to air their games. Well, we've had two people reach out for the answers and one of those people mike uh, the fanatic said that the first official televised broadcast of an nhl game was october 11th 1952 i know that's technically not the answer but the first nhl radio broadcast was 1923 and it was only the third period of the toronto st pass and ottawa sense um mikey d also had a response which was different sorry steph one sec before you say that one i think i found something okay for the first time in team history all 82 games plus the playoffs were broadcast on television this is the chicago blackhawks during the 2008 2009 season wow wait pardon how is that possible? For the first time in team history, the Chicago Blackhawks, all 82 games and playoffs were broadcast on television during the 2008-2009 season. On television, though, there would have been an NHL network at that point? 
At least 20 of them aired on WGN-TV Channel 9, the first time the Blackhawks had been seen on local over-the-air television in 30 years. In 30 years, so it Yeah, but 30 years, 30 years ago, they didn't have all 82 games and the playoffs. Mm. This is what I mean, is some of the games were still not televised. Well, while we look for the answer, because everything we find is different, and I told you guys <laughs> listening, I'll send you a prize. Mike the Fanatic, Mikey D, I will send you both something. So please send me your address, addresses, and I will send you a little prize for playing along with us. So thanks for your responses, even though I don't know what's right or what's wrong. The point was that you beat Galaxy Bean in time before his answer so you are both winners in my eyes i gotta i want to find more on this this is crazy this is something that has bugged me for so long because i want to know when there was like i want to know what was the last game that there's no footage of like it seems crazy that we can't figure this out like this isn't something that's just known it should be a random hockey stat that you can just Google and be like, oh, yeah, that's there. Yeah, and it doesn't show up. It's it's like it's one of those things that just no one's ever thought to write down on the Internet for some reason. Well, n- not only that, like like I was saying with regards to local and national broadcast, like you said, for the first time in what was it, 08, 09, that all Blackhawks games were aired on television. But they were probably available on NHL Network. Probably, but when you type in last NHL game not on TV, everything is about blackout information. Yeah, because Uh that's the NHL. Yeah. Okay, well, um, this has been Leafs Late Night. Thanks for tuning in. (laughs) We've gone over talking about food and all kinds of random shit. I hope you appreciate uh, getting to know all of us a little more every time we do things like this. Um, Have a good night. We'll see you. When do they play Tampa? Tuesday? Tuesday. Tuesday. We'll see you Tuesday. Peace. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. Pineapple does belong on pizza. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. No, no. Okay. Okay. There's one. (laughs) No. What's the Hawaiian pizza that Boston Pizza does? Because that one's good. No, no. It has like a, a, there's like a sesame honey spicy drizzle with like, oh, it's good. There's bacon in it. Get it. Yeah. It's a Canadian invention, invention stuff. Fuck that. 